The doctor told me that I would probably never have children, let alone live to be 30. He was wrong. Our first Christmas morning is when Gail woke up and couldn't see a thing. I was nearly four months pregnant, and the doctors had seen something in my eyes that they were suspect about. And so they ran a whole gamut of tests that took all day long. And after all the tests, I was sitting in the exam room waiting for the doctor to come back in. He said, Gail, you have to choose today between your baby or your eyes. I said, the choice is made, I choose my baby. Doctor stood up, slammed shut my folder and said, what a foolish decision. And he left me alone. Growing up, we didn't really notice that there was a disability. It was very much like group effort, group involvement. I never knew mom was blind. Our normal was just living life and we helped each other out. Connor and I would change jackets. I would stand up on my tippy toes and then Lydia would like crouch down. Because we wanted to see if mom could really tell the difference in us. And she could tell every time and we would laugh about it. There would be times where she'd be talking to a neighbor in our driveway. I decided to ride the garage door all the way up into the garage. So she turns around and my feet are just dangling. So there's a lot of things that I think it's a miracle mom didn't see because I was doing it. There was nothing easy about this. It was, um, you know, real life happening right in our faces. One thing that I have found is that when you live life based only on what you see, it's always limited and definitely confining and usually disappointing. But when you live with vision, the sky's the limit. I've always told my children, you were born on purpose, with purpose, for a purpose. And what a difference when you know that. You're not just here existing. You really have value. A lot of times people ask me, Gail, how can you have so much joy and you can't see? I ask them, how can you see and have no joy? I mean, there was a constant encouragement to each other. There was a constant uplifting. And even in those moments of tears and sorrow, there was, um, there was a joy of, hey, we can do this and we'll do it together. I feel like we have this advantage on life because our blind mom taught us to see. She taught us to see people. She taught us to see need just through her life. I always knew that life had to be the better gift. And I can tell you that in my darkest hour, vision was birthed. And when you have vision, you can see in the darkest places of life. Ladies and gentlemen, would you please welcome Tony and Gail McWilliams to First Christian Church today. Thank you. Your pastor's my favorite Aussie. <laughs> Don't let him lose that accent. I love that. And then Miss Southern Belle, Miss Leslie, her accent too. So I thought I'd show up today in my Texas accent. <laughs> I want to introduce you first to my husband of 37 years. We got married in this town on the most romantic day of the year. No, it was not Valentine's Day. It was April 15th, Income Tax Day. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for blessing my wife. I pray just now that you'll just cause her to be anointed of God and that 
Every person in the room will just be in touch with the message God himself wants to deliver to every single person. I thank you, Lord, that you're with us. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this morning, woke up to uh, the temperature 39 degrees. What's happening here? (laughs) When we left Texas, we were to fly out on Friday, and we received a call that morning that our flights had been canceled. If you've been watching the news, we have horrific storms right now in Dallas. We're glad to be in um, dry, a dry piece of the world. And when we saw the storms and they said that we couldn't get out until Saturday, and we saw how long it was going to be raining and crazy situations, we said, okay, let's drive. So we took off driving up here, and it has just been a pleasure to be with you all. I am honored. I've come today to tell you a couple of things Uh, One is to say being blind is overrated. No kidding. I have been through the strangest things. When people find out that you can't see, they talk louder to you. Or they'll try to say, well, do you know sign language? Uh, No, this isn't going to work either. And uh, I'm so grateful to just hear somebody's in the place today. So thank you for showing up. Uh, By the way, I am your best friend. You guys have, you look great. You haven't changed at all. We've been gone for 15 years, and really, I think you look younger, thinner, um, you're good. You know, I don't give visual people. Uh, You guys are high maintenance. Uh, You're only going to believe unless you see. You're not going to go unless you see the end results. And I'm here today to tell you that there's more to living than just what you see. In fact, I'm wondering, have any of you ever been in a dark place before, groping with no hope? People often talk to me about disabilities. And I said, the greatest disability is having no vision. A lot of times we we see what we want to see and we overlook all the rest. Seeing, what is that like? Having vision, what is that like? And maybe a bigger question, what is this whole faith walk about anyway? We come to church, yes, and we try to fit in God when we can. Oh, we read some scriptures here and there, but really, what, you know, what's the difference? You have faith in yourself and your own ability, but for many of you, you found out that you can get to the end of yourself. Then what? Some of you have faith in the gifts that you have, and you have faith in people all around you, and I'm sure that you found this out in life already. People can disappoint you, and sometimes your expectations can be lowered and you lose your confidence and sometimes you lose your self-confidence. So what is this faith walk all about? I know that you've just come through a series of being able to have room to really express your doubts and I I think that's wonderful because the truth of the matter is God knew that already. You didn't surprise him with the questions that you have and in fact he's strong enough and he's settled enough that every question you've ever had he has an answer for it. But I will also admittedly tell you that there are things that happen in our lives that there are no answers. Why do good things happen to bad people? And why do bad things happen to good people? None of that makes sense. Somebody asked me the other day in an interview, Gail, who are you really? And I said, I'm a visionary that inspires action. I want to see people live. I don't want to just see them survive and exist. I love what I get to do. I love people, my passions, leaders. I love talking to people, such as yourself this morning. I 
I love the marketplace. I love to speak to corporate leaders, top leaders, because the truth of the matter is, if you're not careful, there are things that you are overlooking, treasures all around you that you have failed to see. And many times we feel like we have hit a dead end. Where do we go from here? And how do we live this lifestyle of faith? What is that about? One thing that I have found in the middle of my darkest hour is that faith also works with hope. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. What does hope look like? And maybe furthermore, who is hope? See, hope isn't just a wishful thought. Hope truly is a person. His name is Jesus Christ. Literally, in my darkest hour, that's when vision was birthed. And when you have vision, you can see in the darkest places of life. Decatur, for me, has so many mixed emotions. I have a very vivid imagination. That's good for you. In fact, I'll probably be shocked when I see again going, is that what you look like? I pictured something else. But I think sometimes we picture our own lives as something more than they are. Maybe it's overinflated, and maybe sometimes it's not big enough. And I've come to remind you today that I think that in the middle of the dark place that maybe you've been or you're coming out of, that as I throw you a hope line, a lifeline called hope, that this morning that you will begin to see again like you've never seen before. In Texas, it's sort of interesting. I actually talk about you all all around the world. My first book, Seen Beyond, three-fourths of the book is about Decatur. It's about you. In fact, probably you're in my book. You should really pick it up and see. (laughs) But I tell people that in the Midwest, that's where I learned how to speak. And then I moved to Texas and I learned how to talk. (laughs) And there's a big difference. I learned words like ain't and can't and fixin'. I love those words. Like y'all, it covers a multitude of sin and a whole bunch of people. If you forget somebody's name, no big deal. You call him Bubba. He's married to Bubbette and they have little bubbies. It's perfect. (laughs) But true story, when I first moved to Texas 15 years ago, a man by the name of John, who's become a friend, said to me, Gail, when are you going to learn how to talk true Texan? And I said, well, what would that be? He said, it's the word big O. Park your big O truck on that big O tree. We'll have big O time. And I want to tell you that life is about a big old deal, your life in particular. But how do you live it? How do you live it with faith? How do you live it with hope? Um, I find it interesting that on one side of our lives, we have the word of God and we feel encouraged, especially when we meet together like this morning. We're of one mind. We know, yes, our God can do the impossible. Then we leave this place and we face what appears to be reality, the crisis, the tragedy, that pink slip, that divorce paper, that bankruptcy note, that child who we wonder where they are and what they will become, all those other things. And there we are, we're caught in the middle. How do you live? How do you live with expectant hope? How do you live with joy? If I can share with you four things today that have helped me in the middle of hope, and believe me, I have many more points, but I thought it might be nice to have an acronym, the word hope. Starting first with heart. What, what's really at the heart of your life? Proverbs says, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. Yes, you have issues. And you thought that was just a Dr. Phil show, right? No, 
know, we each have issues. How do we deal with them? How do we maneuver through them? How do we deal realistically with life and yet approach it with faith, knowing that we serve a God who is a drama king? He loves, he delights in doing the impossible. He hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But what do we do about the heart? The heart grows weary and the heart grows sick. I remember that day, traveling from Decatur to St. Louis to a famous hospital, getting the report after a day of grueling tests when the doctor said, you have to choose today, today, between your baby or your eyes. How do you prepare for that? Thinking I wanted both, I said, I choose my baby. The doctor stood up, slammed shut my folder, said, what a foolish decision, left the room. When he left the room, I sat alone And the thing that anchored me that day anchors me today. I thought of a verse that someone had shared with me casually as a young girl. And it was this. It was all about choices that have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life that you and your descendants might live. Choosing. All of us have made choices in life, and there are consequences to them. But I want to tell you today, he's the redeemer of all the mistakes of your life. He's the one who renews. He's the one that restores all that's been lost. And that particular day, I had no idea how he would move from there. I had no idea even what I would face from that point. But I knew I wasn't alone. I knew the very giver of life would sustain my life, protect my life. But that doesn't negate the fact that there weren't a lot of tears along the way. I have truly cried more tears than I could ever put into words. This is not my life agenda. This is not what I wanted in my life. My heart was disappointed. The delays, the detours. And I'm sure you could relate. You've, you've faced something similar. But in the middle of all of that, the only one I knew to give my heart to, to keep it, to hold it, to keep me in the middle of the storm, was hope himself. I remember a particular day. We used to live on the West End not far from Millican, 20 Edgewood Court. And I remember one particular morning where our three daughters at the time, who were school age, had left with Tony. He took them to the school. Tony went on to the office. And it was one of those busy, crazy days, you know, finding the clean socks in the laundry room and getting all the books and making sure the backpacks and the lunches were all packed and that they had their homework and everyone rushing out the door and yelling from the door, bye, love you guys closing the door, leaning up against the door, just began to cry, going, I can't do this. This is unfair. This is unjust. God, help me. How could I ever be the mother my kids needed? How could I ever be the wife my husband needed? And for sure, who's ever going to call on me to carpool? It's not going to happen. So I I went upstairs to our bedroom. I closed the door, locked the door. I don't know what I thought I might do that morning, but I was without hope. And I remember laying on the carpet with my head buried in the carpet, crying for hours, wrestling. Every emotion I had was fighting against faith and hope. I was depressed. I was angry. I was frustrated. I was scared. I was in despair. Nothing could comfort me. Struggling. Why? 
and how. And after hours of just being spent, finally I stood up and I was just standing there. Nothing had changed except suddenly I remembered Psalms 56. Lord, you saw me when I was tossing and turning in the night. Every tear I've ever cried, you kept in your bottle. But when I called on the name of the Lord, the tide was turned and all my enemies began to flee. For this one thing I know, you are for me. I went into that room feeling like I was stuck, no hope. I walked out of that room with a different perspective, saying, God, just like Mary of old, be it unto me according to your word. If you can use this woman who seems to be failing at every turn in the road, boasting in a God who can do the impossible, and yet I seem to be losing at every turn. God, I'm yours. Use me. From that point, he has taken me to places I couldn't even begin to imagine. Invitations I couldn't begin to tell you about. You would think I'm bragging. People, places, opportunities, shows, books. Why? Because I'm something? Because it's something that I see? No. The story is more than a script this morning. Obviously, I don't look at notes. The story is about a life message that's irrefutable. And people say, what is that? The story has become the backdrop of what it is to live with vision and what it is to live with hope. One of my favorite titles I've ever been given is what John Maxwell called me once. He said, you're an ambassador of hope. I'm like, yes, I love this title. I represent a homeland. I've got a job to do. And when I'm done, I'm out of here. I'm back home. And I'm not just talking Texas now. What about your life in the middle of your heart-sick situation, in the middle of your issues? Can you have hope? Yes. There's nothing, there's nowhere, there's nothing that anything could, no one could say to you or take from you that would keep you from hope. Maybe this morning, everything you've been through has blurred who you really are. Maybe you're in a fog and the only thing you know is you can just take one step further. That's all you can see. Then take the step. Some of you have been hanging out at the 50-yard line. Get off of it. You're in between two goals. Hold it between two opinions. Come on, there's a big field called life. Play it with all your might. You got one life. What are you going to do with it? And when you're focused on all that you don't have, all that's been taken from you, you fail to see what you've still got. Show up in life. Some of you have gotten off the field and just sat on the grandstands to watch everybody else play this game. Come on, it's your turn. This is your day. You can get back in the ring. You don't have to say, well, it's because of all my mistakes of the past. Everybody's got mistakes. Let him redeem them. You can either stay chained to them or move forward. What will it be? My newest book, Stucker Position. I've spoken on this for years. Most people think they're stuck. If you think you're stuck, you'll live stuck. You're stuck in the past. You're stuck in regrets. Come on, move forward. Apologize to those that need to. Ask the Lord to forgive you, but move on. You're still breathing. You've got life. All those hard issues that have held you down no longer. Some of you feel like you're boxed in. Why would you live in a box? Kick out the slats. Let it be your dance floor. Let it be your launch pad. If I can, you can. But there's a determination in me. See, I love people. My passion, yes, it fuels me. My purpose, it drives me, even when I can't see. 
and obstacles. Oh my goodness, I've had obstacles like you wouldn't believe. I've walked out with a wrong man before. <clears throat> I, I've, I've eaten things that aren't edible. I've corrected the wrong children in front of their parents. That's embarrassing. I've talked to people who aren't even there. I've reached out to hug people. I've gotten the wrong body parts. That is so embarrassing. <laughs> Tall young man sitting in a chair. You know how you do just to encourage someone? And I just went over to pat his shoulder. You don't like to say, hey, I know you're there. I encourage you. Not knowing he stood up. <laughs> you're fast this morning. I'm groping for his shoulder going, this is the fattest shoulder I think I've ever touched in my life. Most people give up, not this woman. I'm going to go all the way across. I can't find his shoulder. The more I went, I'll tell you what, the stiffer he got as I went across his backside. <clears throat> when I got to the end of my search, I put my hand down like, oh my gosh, I just assaulted the guy. I just wanted to encourage him. He was horrified. I was mortified. I finally turned to him and I said, so help me. You ever tell anybody about this? <sighs> now he's my son-in-law. My children are in fear that that's how I'm going to find all their mates too. <laughs> Listen to me. There are awkward spots in life. I get that. I was standing at the airport the other day, headed to Wisconsin to speak. I turned to my husband, telling him this awesome story, just talking away, not knowing he had walked over to the ticket counter. So I'm just talking, talking, talking. Finally, the gentleman on the other side of me said, ma'am, who are you talking to? my first clue, right? So I turned to him, I smiled real big, and I said, oh, I speak for a living, I'm just practicing. <laughs> you got some dead spot in your life. What are you practicing? You keep practicing that profane word, can't. Who told you you can't? They were wrong. Jesus and you, the hope of glory. Jesus and you, who can do the impossible. Come on. It's about more than just you. Get over you. It's about more than the obstacles. And if you're not careful, the biggest obstacle is you opposing yourself. Why? Why would you stand in the way of what God wants to do with you? Maybe you have forgotten this morning. He walks bef before you. He walks beside you. Glory of the Lord, your rear guard. He's called you by name. You have a destiny. You have potential. He gives you bodyguards. They're called goodness and mercy. They follow you all the days of your life. He's encamped his angels around you. He's surrounded you with favor like a shield. That's what you have to focus on. And that's bigger than what you can bring. And that's why it ignites us in hope and faith this morning. Why? Because you've been given a place, a position. What are you going to do with it? You can say, well, I'm just stuck in this town. I'm stuck in this career. I'm stuck in this marriage. I'm stuck fill in the blank. Stuck or strategically positioned to make a difference? strategically positioned. When you realize that you are positioned, you'll never live life the same. Everything you're doing today is in preparation for what's coming tomorrow. Every mistake, every loss, every heartache, every failure has the opportunity of helping a whole bunch of people. One of the leading financial guys right now, why, why is he such a voice and a multi-million billionaire, whoever he is now? Why? He went through some bankruptcies himself. Why are some of the marriage guys out there so great? Why? Because they nearly lost their marriage or did lose their marriage. See, in the middle, this is the beauty. We have a redeemer who redeems all of that if we'll let him. But some people, they love staying stuck. Why? It works for them. They get more attention. Or somehow it 
gives them permission. They don't have to move or reach. I heard about the vision of this place, First Christian. I love it. You're going after 10% of the city. Perfect. And after 10, why not 20? Then 25%. Whatever you're dreaming, he has a bigger dream. Why would you stop? For goodness sakes, why would you quit? What I remind you today is not only the hard issues, he's there in the middle of them. Not only the obstacles, he'll help you in every way. I was talking to my friend Zig one day, the late Zig Ziglar, we were having lunch, and I said, Mr. Ziglar, I was thinking about your book, See You at the Top, which by the way, 17 publishing companies refused him, and the first 3,500 speaking engagements he did for free. Wow. What a powerful man whose legend continues in his voice of encouragement. But I said, Zig, uh, that book, See You at the Top. One thing I found out, Mr. Ziegler, you get to the top of that climb, you catch your breath, you look around and go, oh, there's one more summit. See, you've got to let God open your eyes to say, there's more. And he will help you. Why? You're the evidence he's good. You're the evidence he's faithful. You're the evidence he redeems. You're the evidence that he forgives as far as the east is from the west. What will you choose this morning? Choose hope. Hope. Hope never disappoints. And you may say, but I've been disappointed over and over. I know that temptation, clearly. But his grace takes the first letter of disappointment, switches it out to an H, and it becomes his appointment. What can he do in your life, just like he's done in mine? The evidence that God is good is partially showing up with joy. Life is contagious, and people want what you have. What will you exhibit to the world? See, salt, of course, it's perfect. Seasons a tasteless culture, light a gift in a dark place, and you, my friend, you, you are the answer to someone's prayer. Make a difference. Show up in this city. Show up in your career. Show up and love people and help them. Not only has it been a joy to come today, but it's really been a privilege to relive a lot that's gone on in this town. A lot of great news that came in this town and a lot of sad things that came to our doorstep. The daughter I carried that day that the doctor called a foolish decision? So far, she's our first married daughter and she and her husband have given to us three incredible grandchildren. What we have to have is a vision for generations yet to come. The decisions you're making today, if I can tell you very carefully, the decisions you're making today will impact the next generation. Choose wisely choose life. To each of you, I hope I get to see you back at the book table. We brought our story seen beyond. Zig Ziglar did the forward to it. He was the one that encouraged me, and I had no idea that God would use our story literally around the globe over and over. Seen Beyond is one, a book that you can't put down, and like I said, it's about the years here and what God has done to prepare us for the platform that he's given us now globally. Last week, I was in California speaking for my first TEDx event. I loved it. You're invited to come and share with the world an idea that you have for the world. Wow, what a lofty invitation. And soon it will be released on a global network. But I'll tell you, 
There's nothing better than showing up in the platforms that God would give to be authentic with your story and for people to see that it's real. You are the evidence. And then the other book that I have back at the book table is called Stucker Positioned, It's Your Choice. I pray that it will encourage you not only to have a new perspective on life, but you will laugh, be encouraged, and get off dead center and do something while you still have breath. So I can't wait to meet you. Before I sit down, I, I had to just tell you one day. It's a classic story. It's about a friend who called me and she said, Gail, I have a gift for you. I was so excited. I love gifts. Perfume's my favorite. But it wasn't that. She said, I want to take you to the movies. <laughs> when she called me, I literally moved the phone from my ears. I looked Skyward and said, God, are these the only friends you could bring me? <clears throat> Why would you take me to the movies? She heard my hesitancy and she said, oh, come on, you'll love it. She said, uh, it's got a lot of dialogue. You'll figure it out. Plus, we'll have fun. We'll be together. I said, okay. So she picked me up and we went to the movies. And oh, my goodness, it was the saddest gift I've ever been given. I cried all the way through this movie. And at the end, I was still trying to pull myself together. And I'm wiping the tears and blowing my nose. And, and I noticed my friends stood up. So I thought, well, I better go too. So I stood up and started moving down the road by myself. I got out to the aisle and I put my arm out and we walked arm in arm, neither of us talking because we were still processing this sad story. And then I stepped into this huge corridor in Texas and um, as I was standing there, I let go of my friend and I just, I just needed to stand for a moment and process what had just happened before we moved on. She said, are you okay? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I said, I just want to stand here for a moment. She said, hey, I need to go to the restroom, do you? I said, no, that's okay. You go on. I'll be fine. You sure? Yeah, go on. So she left, and I was just standing there and really didn't think too much about it. But I perceived after a while, when my friend hadn't come back, that I might be in the way of people because I could tell people were moving back and forth in front of me, even though I couldn't see their faces. So I stepped back two big steps, and I stepped over two big steps to get out of the way. And I was just standing there, and no friend, no friend. So I thought, well, why not? I'm just going to pretend like I work here, and I'm going to greet people. Hello. <laughs> Hi. I said, have a good day. Who knows? It might have been the same person that moved all around me. I don't know. <laughs> I just showed up, right? And after many moments, my friend came, and she said, Gail, what are you doing? You're standing in the men's restroom. <laughs> I had no idea where I was. Hey, even Walmart had greeters once. I, I didn't know where I was, but I'll tell you what, I made a difference. I made a memory. I made a lot of men happy that day. No kidding. So many times people have said, oh, honey, I've done the same thing. I've walked in the wrong restroom. Yeah, but you didn't stay half the day greeting everybody. <laughs> I didn't know where I was that day. It appeared like I was stuck in the wrong place. But guess what? In time, I found my way. In the meantime, I showed up. The same to you. You may think you're stuck. No, you're not. You're on your way to somewhere. So you took a little bit of a detour. It was a memory. Get back on the main road. And in the days to come, let me tell you something. If you'll open yourself up, this place is going to blow up. You know why? Because you got a vision for more than just yourself. And in the middle of that, God will bring you increase like you can't believe. He loves to partner with us. Let him. And he wants to give us hope that always sees beyond. I say to each of you today, may the Lord bless you and keep you. 
May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. May he grant you according to your heart's desire and fulfill all your purpose. May he give you increase more and more to you and your children. And may he do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think according to the power that works within you. In Jesus' name, amen.